All right, hi. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Good morning, church. It's good to see you. Hey, it's day number eight of 21 days of prayer. If you are new to our church, you're going to hear what that's about here in just a moment. But if you're part of our church family, you know. Uh, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. prayer. And so we emphasize it here. We prioritize it above everything else. And so uh, with that, we uh, host uh, prayer services daily. So, so we do 21 days of prayer and in this season also fasting. And so I hope, I hope and pray that you are participating in both prayer and fasting uh, with us, your church family. And so when we do that every single night, if you did not know this, every single night, Monday through Saturday, we host one-hour prayer services uh, next door at a property that we own. Uh, we have a building over there where maybe some of you checked your kids in this morning. And so every, every night, 6 to 7 p.m., we host prayer services there, and I just want to say, Church on the Rock, you guys have been unbelievable. Like, the turnout has been amazing, I would like to say. Um, so this past week, and this is definitely a record, but we have had an average in-person attendance of 116 people at our prayer services each night, and I just want to say, way to go, way to go. Here's what I know that at day eight, okay, right about now is when some people start to go, oh, all right, I did good, but dang, there's still some time to go, and if we're not careful, we'll start to dip, and we'll start to fall off that wagon just a little bit, and as your pastor, I just want to call out to you and encourage you, like, lean in right now. God is moving in our church, and if he's going to move in our church, that means he's moving in you, because you're the church, not locations, right? And so I just want to encourage us, continue to lean in, continue to call on God, if you have chosen not to participate in a prayer service, try it this week. Show up. I get that some people can't because of schedule conflicts or whatever, but if you haven't just because you've chosen not to, make that your challenge this week. Come and participate in one of our prayer services. Pray with us. I want to show you a couple of things, though, if I can, because this past week and all of the, the six nights that we had with these services, there was one moment that was my favorite and it was on Wednesday night. And so here's what I love about Wednesdays, that typically uh, in the building that we have prayer in on Wednesday nights, our youth meet. So we have a youth group, and they gather together, and they do like youth stuff, right? So uh, us, uh, us old, like crusty people wouldn't enjoy it, but they love it, and it's really good. But on Wednesday nights in our seasons of 21 days of prayer, we intentionally merge the two services together. So it's more like a family service like this. And so on Wednesday nights, here's what I like about it, okay? I like getting the youth around us old and crusties. I like it. And I'm going to tell you why I like it. Because those of us that, that, are, that are in like a mindset that's like we dismiss the next generation, I think have the wrong mindset. And I think it's really, really good for us to just get around them and just see that there is life, there is hope, that there is giftings and callings on the inside of the next generation and the kingdom of God. And I love the fact that we get to get around there and be like, dang, I wish I had that kind of energy. You know what I mean? Or man, like they're so happy or whatever it is. So I love smashing them together because I love to remind us that are aging that, man, the future of the church is really, really bright. Okay? But I also like to get you around them 
Because they can also dismiss you because you're just old and archaic and you don't know anything and oh my gosh, my parents and my grandparents or whatever. And so I just love to smash the two together because I also wanna remind the next generation of our church that like, hey, there are things that can be learned from those who have gone before us. Really good lessons. I mean, the Bible talks about this. It is foolish for us to forget each other because of age. I think it's a silly thing. And so we intentionally smash the two things together on Wednesday nights during 21 days. And I wanted to show you a photograph. This was my favorite moment of prayer this past week. Uh, Jeremy was leading, you know him, he was leading us in worship this morning. And he brought all those, look at all those students up there and student leaders. He just brought them, he was like, hey, if you're in the youth, I just want you to come up onto the platform. And so in our prayer services, we all conclude in prayer together. Like we, we like bunch up and we just call on God together. And he had all the students up front and then all of the rest of us were just on the floor. And I was, I was like, this is my vision. Like here we are all smashed up into one family, doing one thing, calling on one God. Come on, somebody. It was exciting. So I just wanted to show you what it, what it looks like. Hopefully to say like, that looks cool and that's intriguing. I would love to participate. Please, please come and join us uh, this week. Um, I also wanted to say this. I also wanted to say this, that on that night, okay, on that very night when that picture was taken, there was 129 people in that room, 129 of us, okay, calling on God together. Simultaneously, there were 19 other people downtown serving homeless people. Show them that photo, if you would, making a difference, yeah, in our community. I just thought this was awesome. And so what, what I wanted to say is like, Church on the Rock, like this is what we do, man. Like this is us. So 129 of us were gathered in person now, okay? And those of you that tune in online, that we're all gathered together calling on God. And then 19 more of us are over just making a difference in less fortunate people and serving those that, that deserve to be served and making a difference in the kingdom. I just think it's a beautiful thing, everybody. So wait, would you give it up for the person next to you? Way to go, way to go. I also want to say this, that uh, you might have noticed if you were walking in, we have a blood mobile out front, and uh, we're in a series right now called Heart Check. I'm going to get to that in just a second. But hey, like there's like the emotional, spiritual heart, and then there's like the real thing. And so we're giving you the opportunity to serve in a different way, to get a check in a different way. Come on, so before you leave, go give blood today. I think they're giving stuff away. Are they? Yeah, it looks like yes. And so go get whatever they're giving away. Uh, give to them. I think that would be really, really awesome. And then there's two things I want to say before we get into the message. You guys Okay three of you. The rest of you, hang on tight. We're almost done, okay? All right, the three of us, let's do this together. We got this. Um, then I want to I wanna kind of push and promote something. So last Sunday, I, I made a bit of an announcement before we got into the message, and the announcement was about an interest meeting that is upcoming uh, for people that may have an interest in hosting our young adults' ministries. We've got some college kids and college-aged people. You do not have to be a student to be a part of this ministry, uh, but they are looking for a place to gather and meet together. So if that, if that is, has any intrigue to you, okay, that we're gonna have an interest meeting. It's gonna be on January the 18th, immediately following our prayer service next door. And so you can come to prayer. And then when it's over, we're gonna tell you what, what, like, what would that look like? And, and what, what would we ask of you? And, and all that kind of, so you'll, you'll hear all the information. But I wanna extend this just a little bit further because I've already heard from more than one home who said, we're coming, we're coming. I'm like, okay, that's great. But here's what I know, we only need one home. Okay, so, there, so somebody's gonna be a winner and the rest of y'all are gonna be losers. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, and so with that, with that here, here's something else I just, wanna, I just wanna kinda throw out there that I personally know of leaders that wanna lead life groups that need a place to do it for whatever reason, their apartment isn't big enough, their house doesn't work, whatever the reason, it's not conducive for them to host it where they live. 
So perhaps your home is that location. I also know of other groups, it's like we're just, we've outgrown our little space and we, we just didn't, are looking for something else. So it could, I wanna widen the invitation just a little bit that if you have interest to say, hey, I, I could host a group, a group could come and meet at my home or whatever, then I would invite you to join us there too. And we'll talk about both those things on January 18th. That sound good, everybody? All right, good, good, good. Six of us now. Hey, we're doubled. We're doubled up. That's awesome. And then before I get into the message, I want to say this, okay? That last Sunday morning, I gave a very specific and a very pastoral call, a challenge. I looked into the camera, and I looked at all of these amazing people that tune in online. And I know that there are people that tune in online every single weekend. I know people in little small towns that God, they, they used to live here, and they found our church, and then, they, and then they moved away, and they're like, man, we just can't find a church like Church on the Rock and our little community, and we've looked, but we just can't find it. So they just choose to do life with us, and that's awesome, man. We love that. I know that there are other people they just like our church, and we're like, a, we're like another family for them. For a lot of people, we are their church from a distance. I champion all that stuff. I love it, by the way. But I looked into the cameras, and I gave like a pastoral challenge to some people, and I said, hey, there's a lot of us, though, that are just staying home by convenience. The only reason you're not here is because it's more convenient to watch church in your living room and pajamas. And I just gave a challenge. And I said, man, we would, like, we're missing something in the church without you. We're better because you're here. And so I just gave a challenge that, hey, why don't you just change it up this year? Come back to the gathering like the Bible tells us to do in Hebrews chapter four. Don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves. And I just gave a challenge and said, why don't you do that? And I just wanna say to those of you that accepted that challenge and are in this room this morning, I would just like to say, way to go, okay? I'm so glad you're here. I'm proud of you for taking that step. God is calling every single one of us in this church to take a step. And I gave you a pastoral challenge last week, and I know that some of you responded, and I just want to applaud that. All right, so will you give it up for them one more time? Thank you guys for being in the room. Way to go. It's awesome. All right, let's get into God's word. If you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, we're in a series, and we're calling this series Heart Check. And we're talking about the, the reality that at the start of the year, there's no better time really to reflect, to reset some things. This is normal. People do uh, resolutions. They say, man, this year I am gonna lose 10 pounds or I'm gonna eat cleaner or I'm gonna be more disciplined with my money. I'm gonna make that investment. Man, I'm getting that building off or that business off the ground or whatever it is, whatever it is. And there's nothing wrong with resolutions, but the reality is statistics would say that most of them, most of them just aren't gonna see it to the end. And so we're, we're gonna push back on a resolution mindset in our church and push for a revelation mindset. Like if God does something on the inside, that's lasting change, right? Because resolutions, again, they're, they're good, but I was talking to a friend of mine last June and he was talking about his, re his resolution. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, what was it? And he was like, well, I just committed in January that I was gonna lose 10 pounds this year. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. He's like, yeah, and I'm like super excited to announce I only have 18 pounds to go, you know what I mean? You ever been that guy? Okay. And so let's just dump a resolution thought and let's get into a revelation thought. Man, let's let God lead us. Because I can say, I can say man, I really wanna achieve this, or I can, just, I can just follow the voice of the Lord that says, I want you to do this. Because if I just follow what the spirit of the living God is telling me to do, I will have lasting change in my life. Isn't that right, everybody? Amen. And so in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, this is kind of a foundational verse that we're using for this series. Here's what the Bible tells us. It says, guard your heart above all else. Above all else. 
Guard your heart. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. And so in this series, Heart Check, we're just taking an internal look at our hearts. Like, how am I doing really? And so we're intentionally digging into the matters of our heart in this series, and we're looking at what Jesus has to say about that. We're looking at what Scripture would have to say about that, and we're looking at like what would God call us to do in order to get our hearts in the right place because we need to maintain our hearts. That's why we check them. Amen. Because I don't know if you know this, but when we drift, we always drift in the wrong direction. Just always. It's, it, that is the propensity. So let's just, let's just make sure that we keep disciplines that align our heart with God's heart. Now we're studying out of, the, out of the sixth chapter of Matthew. This is a portion of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. So this is like Jesus' most popular sermon that he ever gave. And he talked for a long time about like 118 topics. It's unbelievable. But like, it's like, you're Jesus, I'm not. I can teach one topic at a time. You're, you're God of the universe. You can just do whatever you want. And he unpacks this long, incredible sermon where he just hits all these different topics. And we've been looking at the sixth chapter of Matthew. And last week, here's what we read. I'm going to overview it really quickly, and then we're actually going to read it again. But Jesus said three things in these verses that I emphasized last Sunday. And he said things like this. He said, when you fast, and when you pray, and when you give. He sort of gave some instruction to that. And what we talked about last week is that Jesus did not say it in a way that was like, well, if, you know, you feel like it's a good idea to, and you do it. It was almost emphatic to say that followers of Christ Jesus do certain things. So they give, so when you give, etc. And they pray, so when you pray, etc. They fast, so when you fast, etc. And then there's other things that we're going to get into in this series, like forgiveness and and other things like that, okay? But today, I wanna look at the same exact text, but I wanna show us some things that are in, we're gonna emphasize today because last Sunday, we talked about the attitude of the heart. Uh, excuse me, that's today. Last week, we talked about the action of our heart, like what we do. Because how many of you know that action matters? Okay, action really matters. Like, like if I intend to get a job, that's cool, but getting one is better, okay. And so what we talked about was that if Jesus is saying to his followers, when you fast, when you pray, when you give, etc., that we should put that action into our lifestyles. And so th there's a challenge. By the way, if you missed that message, I would highly recommend that you go back and watch it in full. I really would. Not because I think I'm awesome, because I think it was God's word for our house, Okay. And so, and so if that is the thing, then I should put the action to it. So as a follower of Jesus, if I'm a follower that is not praying, I need that action in my life. If I'm a follower that is not fasting, I need that action in my life. If I'm a follower that's not giving, I need that action in my life. And so we talked about how sometimes attitude follows action. That, you know what, I wasn't into it until I started. And I'll prove it right here. How many times have you ever left the gym and you're like, man, I almost didn't go this morning, but I'm sure glad I did. I feel better because I actually got up out of the bed and I went, right? And we all have those kind of moments. Like, I wanted to eat that cheesecake so badly. Oh my gosh. But my action chose not to, and now I'm like really glad because I'm trying to lose five pounds or whatever it is. Sometimes our attitude follows our action. And then, of course, sometimes 
Our actions follow our attitudes. So let's look at that today, okay? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read 18 verses of the Bible. So calm down. Brace yourself. Here we go. Jesus is speaking, and he says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly, and I want you to notice, to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. And here we go. Last week, when you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets. Notice, to call attention to their acts of, of charity, I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward, re, re, I can say words, all the reward that they will ever get. Verse 3, but when you give, and, there, and there's that action part, but when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 5, when you pray, there's the action. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone, and here's today's emphasis, can see them. Okay? I tell you the truth, that that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. And pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Verse 9, pray like this. And then we get the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is giving a model. Hey, this is a way that we could pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't, le don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Come on, say amen right there. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And everybody's like, dang, because that's heavy. Next Sunday, we'll go there, okay? Verse 16, and when you fast, and again, notice that there's this action-oriented expectation of Christ for his followers, but when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Okay. So let's unpack this just a little bit. So last Sunday, and again, th these two messages link so very much that if you missed last Sunday, you need it. But last Sunday, we talked about the action of the heart. That you know what? These are things that Jesus called us to do. Therefore, we ought to do them. And I know that in some churches, that's just not how they flow. But like we just teach the Bible and we just do our best to live up to it. And I don't know what else to tell you. Okay? Welcome to Church on the Rock. This is us. And so there are just things, realities. In fact, me and my brother-in-law, pre-service, he's been serving with me forever and ever. Amen. And we were pre-service talking about the reality of fasting and how there's just so much in our flesh that always wants to talk us out of it. Like, no, 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 come on, there's got to be a better way or a different way or let's just not do this or whatever. But what we talked about just this morning was, you know what it really is? It's a spiritual discipline. It's a discipline that must be kept. In order for me to check my heart and keep myself right before the Lord, this are, these are things that followers of Jesus do. But at the same time, the, the Bible is saying, but watch out how you do them. 
Because if I were you, okay, if I'm you, and especially if I'm skeptical you, and you read me Matthew chapter six in a sermon that says when you pray, when you fast, when you give, et cetera, when you forgive, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, but don't do it publicly. I'd be like, Psh, your whole church is fasting, bro. That's pretty public. It's on your website. You're promoting it every weekend. You're doing all these things. You guys are gathering to pray. You're showing photographs and you're talking about all the stuff that you're doing. And the skeptical me would be like, gotcha. But, but let's just talk about that, can we? All throughout the Bible, you can find it everywhere, everywhere. You can find where God would call people, groups of people, to pray and to fast and to give. In the construction of the temple, they brought all these gifts that, man, we're gonna provide gold and silver and stuff we're gonna give to the construction of the temple. In times of desperation and need, we're gonna call on God. There were leaders that would say, they would even tell people what to fast. You're not to have any food or any drink for three days, don't do it. Now, we don't do that here because I'm not the Holy Spirit, right? God never said that to me. I just want God to speak to you. So there could be a conflict of interest if you don't know what you're looking for to say, well, which, which one is it in our church? So are we supposed to do this privately or are we doing this publicly? And the answer is yes. Because it isn't about the public gathering. It isn't about the corporate fast. It isn't about the prayer service. It's about the attitude of the heart within it. Because if you notice everything that I highlighted in today's text for emphasis, it was all focused on us because Jesus is challenging the attitude of our hearts in it. So it isn't that he's saying you shouldn't do it together. He's saying you shouldn't do it to be publicly admired by others. You shouldn't do it to call attention to your acts. You shouldn't do it so people can see you. And you shouldn't do it so that people will admire how spiritual and righteous and holy that you are. And so he's saying the action is important, but so is the attitude. So which is it? Yes. Like it is both. Because I, I, and here, here's the thing that I pray. I just pray with all of my heart that in our church, okay, I'm not responsible for the entire church or the whole body of Christ. I will stand before the Lord and give him an answer for this one, okay? So I just, I'm gonna preach to this one and lead this one. You with me? And forever, I just pray that our church would be the church that always checks this at the door. Every single time. Because here's the reality. If you have all the action, but you have the wrong attitude, that equation equals self-righteousness. Here's what we'll do. Well, I fasted all week long. <laughs> here's what we'll do. You're, you're having coffee? Oh, geez, I have had zero caffeine since Sunday. Oh, man, you're only fasting dinner? Well, my family's been fasting two meals a day for seven days. And self-righteousness will start to rise up on the inside of us because self-righteousness is a deception that is only focused on action. It is action only. This is why, and I'm going to be a little bit bold here and vague at the same time, that certain religions, in my opinion, and denominations, in my opinion, have completely missed it. Because it is all about what you do and what you don't do. It has nothing to do with why you are doing it or the heart behind why you are doing it. This is why some people live in complete and total worldliness and then they show up to a service every once in a while and everything in their mind is okay because they've been deceived by the enemy to believe that it's only action-oriented. 
Jesus challenges this in the Sermon on the Mount to say it isn't just action, it is also attitude. It isn't what you do, but why are you doing it? Can I give you an example? Can I let Jesus give you an example? All right, in Luke chapter 10, uh, 18, 18, Luke chapter 18. Verses 10 through 14, Jesus is teaching a parable, like, a, like he made up a scenario. He's telling a story. And watch, watch what he teaches in this parable. He says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. Let me explain that, like a, like a, like a religious person, a religious leader, very spiritual. Probably got the degree and the credentials in the office of the Pharisee, probably a framed thing from the seminary. Got it. Check. All right, so two men go to the temple, to, to God's house, and what do they go there to do? They go there to, go there to pray. And one was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax, tax collector, just time out, that in the context of this story, at the time that Jesus is telling this story, he's using a Pharisee, which is like a religious leader, and then he's using a tax collector because what he would have defined for the people is like the opposite end of a pendulum. Now, if you are a tax collector today, way to go, right? So if, if, if that's you and you're like, oh my God, like you're welcome here, it's cool. But in that day, right, in that day, what tax collectors would do is they would strong arm and extort so they would come to you and they would make sure that they charged the appropriate tax to pay to Caesar or whatever. But then because they had the, the empowerment of the government, they would charge you more and they would just line their own pockets. So they were, some, they were super wealthy. They were doing awesome. They had, like, they had like Teslas, you know what I'm saying? And you're riding the bike. It was like that kind of a, of a variation. And so they, they had this reputation and everybody was like, we can't stand you because you rip us off and you take advantage of us, and you don't care about people. And so when Jesus describes Pharisee and tax collector, everybody in that moment would have seen the vast difference between the two. And so these two go to pray, verse 11. And the Pharisee, watch what he did. I just want you to see it. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. And watch what he describes. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Now, let's just time out one more time. So, so I, for two Sundays, I've sort of hit on three things. Giving, fasting, praying. And here's this, here's this Pharisee in the temple of God, praying and bragging to God about how he fasts and he gives. Okay? He's, he has all the actions down. Moving on. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a dense distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And I want you to notice that what Jesus unpacks here is he points out two extremes, and he says one of them had all the action, but the wrong heart, while the other had all the wrong action and the right heart. 
And I think this is super profound and powerful. Because if we are not careful, and I'm going to preach against something here, okay? If we are not careful, self-righteousness will creep in. Can I take you on a small journey? I've recognized something. I've been pastoring our church for nearly 13 years. I've been in ministry for like 20, almost 30. A long time, okay? More than 25. I'll say that conservatively. Long time. I've been engaged in the work of ministry. I begin to recognize something. I begin to recognize something. And I just want to throw it out there as a warning. Can I just warn you? Because some of you in this, and I do, I do this kind of quite often, there's like this spectrum of people in their journey of faith. We're all on a journey. We all have a step to take, every single one of us. And so some of us might be on one side of the, of the spectrum where it's like, I'm, I'm brand new to this. Maybe you're young in your faith. Maybe you grew up in a certain denomination that's not like this one. And like for the first time in your life, you're recognizing that like Jesus is relational and personal. And this, like, this is not just action. This is attitude and action. There's just, and it's like you're, you're over here and, and you're like, you're just feeling all the feels, man. It's exciting. And every time you pray, you just feel like God is responding and you have goosebumps that ride piggyback on other goosebumps because you can just feel the presence of God everywhere you go and everything you do and you're over here. And then you have other people that's like, on the, on the, and, I'm, and I'm doing the Jesus thing, like I'm gonna throw the spectrum wide. And then you have other people where it's like, man, they just grew up in church their whole life. I mean, if you were to say, turn to First Tim- Timothy chapter three, they would beat you there every time because they just, man, their Bible like falls open to it. You know what I'm saying? Full of highlights and notes and they use spiritual and godly words and got all that stuff, okay? And so there you go, there's the extreme. Then you have everybody in between who's somewhere on this journey of faith trying to figure it out. And here, here's dangers. Can I just point some danger points out? That the danger point over here is that you, you are mature and you got it all together. And when you look down line and you see these other people who are entering into this faith and they're figuring some things out and there is probably action in their life that they don't even know is wrong action, they, but they just don't know. And if we're not careful, we can look down our noses with our long fingers and say, how dare they, when, when really sin is sin and it's equal across the board. I've also recognized that these, that these young, like, fired up, come on, Jesus is awesome, and now, like, that's the best, man, that's like the best time. When you have those seasons, come on, there's nothing like it, right? But I've recognized something, and here's where it is. Somewhere, somewhere at the beginning, we get all these feels, and then we progress to this point, and because, I don't even know if I have time for this, can I just preach today? Because, because we have this incredible encounter that is, like, real and lasting in our lives, We find ourselves, and by the way, like we've started at zero, we find ourselves making these incredible sacrifices for the Lord. It's like, man, I used to punch people in the face every Saturday night at the club, and I don't even go to the club anymore. What? Right? That's probably true for some people. Or man, I used to smoke and I don't smoke anymore. I used to this and I don't that and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, man, and I used to hang with those people and I don't hang with those people and blah, blah. And so we will run through a season of our growth and our ministry, our life with Christ, where it is heavy sacrifice and major like forfeiting of things. And these major, like for us, like these are big deals. And then that other person that's ahead of you has a bad attitude. And you're like, how can you, having grown up in the church and know the Bible like you know it, lead that group and do all those things, have that. And you see how self-righteousness can go both ways? And it's just a warning to us that I think the easiest temptation to fall into is self-righteousness. Because we're really quick to think a lot of us. We really are. And so I would love for us to check self-righteousness at the door at Church on the Rock. Like, just let's just forget it. Don't do it. Because I believe with all of my heart, by the way, that you can have a pure heart and bad habits at the same time. 
let me explain. A lot of you know. I'm a pretty over-the-top, die-hard Miami Dolphins fan. Don't apologize about last night. I knew they were going to lose last night 20 weeks ago. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Okay? Okay. So two things can be true at the same time. Now, let me explain why I bring up the Miami Dolphins. I actually believe a 40-plus-year fan of a miserable team on the southern end of a peninsula that's torturing my life every fall. <clears throat> I digress a little. <laughs> I actually believe that the Dolphins might be getting pointed in the right direction. And I'm like, ooh, man. But I also believe they're just the same old losers they've been for four decades of my life. I believe those at the same time. Okay. At the same time. And so there are some, there are some of us in our walk with Christ that we have, we have the right attitude in our heart. Like, I want to get near you. I want to grow. I want to live for you. I want to be what you're calling me to be. I sense there's more and I'm trying, but I still have this other stuff that is real in my life. And it, ju and it just might be true that I've got a really good heart and I've got some bad habits. What we cannot do is excuse bad habits and say, but I have the right heart. Because somewhere along the line, there has to be action about bad habits. This is a fine line to manage in the walk of faith for you as the follower of Jesus and for us that walk with you. So I should not own, so it's not that, let me tell you what I'm not preaching. It's not that because I have a good heart, I can just do anything that I want. Paul challenges this all throughout the New Testament. Because of the grace of God, should we just live any old way that we want to? And then he's like, certainly not. I love how the New King James is like, certainly not. It's like a definitive, like, no, that's the wrong, like, that's the wrong answer. But there is this reality that the grace of God is present all the time. And so the action does matter, but the attitude also matters. So can I just let some of you off the hook? Some of you think you're hypocrites and you keep beating yourself up and you withdraw from the family of, the, of God and you stop reading your Bible and you stop praying and you stop going to groups and you quit serving because you're like, I have these bad habits and you feel like I'm a hypocrite and I don't deserve it and oh my gosh, can't believe it, blah, blah, blah. And then you just give up because you can't understand that those things can coexist. While on the other hand, some of you are like, well, I just do whatever I want because the mercy and grace of God, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, those can't coexist. Like, you understand? There's a fine line. And that's why the family of God matters. I'm so ahead of myself in these notes. That's why the family of God matters. Because we need people that love us enough to encourage us. We need people that love us enough to say, it's, dude, it's okay. Like, I screw up too. It's cool. But let's pray about this. What steps can we take for you to see lasting change in your life? We need people that will love us enough to say, I see something in you that I think we should work on. Today, this morning, I had someone love me enough to say, hey, um, remember when I talked about getting together with you soon? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. There's a couple things I want to talk about. And one of those things is, I think there might be a blind spot in your life. I have a choice. I have a choice. And my choice is to say, bro, let's hang out and let me listen to something I might be missing or get self-righteous and say, I'm the pastor of the church, bro. I know, I'm like a professional Christian. I know God so good. What an idiot that would be to do that. You see what I'm saying? Like this is, 
This is why life in community matters is because we've got to have, sometimes we're just going to try to sabotage ourselves and somebody else is going to be like, whoa, 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 come on, man, come on, come on. And then sometimes we're going to just be hammering ourselves to the wall and somebody else is going to say, bro, you're being too hard on yourself. Come on, it's a journey. It's one step at a time. Are you with me? Okay. So here's the question of the day. Here's what we will reflect on at the end of our service when we respond to the gospel today. And here's the question. It is this, what is the attitude of my heart? What is it? This is a very internal, self-reflective question that must be asked. And perhaps another way to ask it is like, how can I figure out the why behind the what? Determine the why behind the what. So what I might be doing is attending church regularly. What I might be doing is serving. What I might be doing is giving. What I might be doing is fasting, praying, etc. You get it. The question really is, why? Okay, what is the attitude of my heart? Because if I'm doing these things because I want to follow Jesus and have a personal and growing relationship with him, that's probably good. But if the answer is, if, because I believe if I do all these things, he accepts me, you have missed the point of the gospel. Because it is not by works that you have been saved. It is only by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we are saved. I would love to clarify that we are saved by works. We are just not saved by our works. We are saved by the completed work of Christ Jesus on the cross for us. So when I count my works and well-doings, I, I am leaning towards self-righteousness. And so there are ways that we can set the attitude of our heart. I'm going to give you just three. This is not exhaustive or exclusive. It's just three. Ways that we can set the attitude of our hearts. Here we go, number one. I believe it may be the most important. God's word. I just want you to notice that I put in parentheses, the Bible. And I do that on purpose. Because God's word is, is like, that's church language. And there's a lot of us in the room that are like, when I say God's word, you're like, 10-4, got it. Then there's a lot of people that don't know that the Bible and God's word are the same thing. And so I want to make clear to you that one of the best ways to set my heart with the right attitude and the right action is to stay in God's word, the Bible. Like, learn it and study it and Pray about it and ask God to open up your mind to it and get around people that can help you unpack it and understand it. And I would just like to say that, listen, something, something has to be absolute true for me to direct the course of my life. Something has to point to a true north in my life for me to have any bearing on how I get where I get to. And I just want to say unapologetically that for the life of the Christian follower of Jesus, it should be God's word and nothing else. It should not be my belief or culture or, well, don't you think that? But no, I don't think. I follow. I mean, we've got to use our mind. You get it. All right. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Watch this now. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. 
It is not a book. It is the living word of God. It is God's word to you and to me. And it does set the standard. And it does keep us in a true north understanding that this is how I live and conduct myself. This sets my attitude and my action. Amen. A second way, I think, to set the attitude of our hearts is prayer. This is why I think Jesus emphasizes prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. This is why at Church on the Rock that we create emphasis around prayer because prayer matters. I mean, it just matters. And so part of the reason that we host consecutive services day after day after day is because we want to help people pray. Because to be honest with you, it'd be a lot easier on the staff if we didn't do it every day. We are not concerned about that. We are concerned about the call of God on our lives, and that is to shepherd this house. And just in the same way that the disciples walked up to Jesus and they were like, hey, teach, teach us how to pray. You remember that? There's that story in the Bible where the, they just come to Jesus like, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, that's an interesting thing to say and request from Jewish boys who would have memorized the Torah. You want to talk about knowing God's word? Homeboys knew it. But there was something unique about Jesus there was something unique about this, about this teacher, their rabbi, that would just disappear all the time. And where is, like, you ever watch The Chosen? They're always like, where'd he go? I don't know, he's probably praying somewhere. I don't know, he's just gone. And then he comes back like, what's up? And they're like, where you been? Well, I've been praying. All the time. And you see it in scripture in the stories, Jesus would separate himself and he would call on God. And every season and every circumstance, he was just praying, praying, praying. And the disciples, they came to him, they're like, hey, teach us how to pray. And here's the thing. They would have known how to do the action of prayer. What they really wanted to know is, like, we want that attitude of prayer. Like, there is something, you pray different than we have been taught to pray. Teach us to pray like that. So as a church, we just say, how can we help teach people to pray? So we show it to you. We just open up the building and put on some worship music and we call on God and we just, we just pray. And we have prayer partners and we have people that pray because we want to make sure that we are modeling. We want to answer the same questions the disciples asked because it's a question that we should be asking. Would you, Jesus, teach us to pray? Psalm 51.10, the Bible says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, we just want pure hearts. This is a prayer that we have read from David. God created me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And for some of us already, you kind of know the answer. When we get into our response today and you go from this message this week and you reflect on this, you already kind of know the answer. Some of you, it's like God needs to create a pure heart in you because you're like, e, my action and my attitude, they are misaligned. And so God, would you just create in me a pure heart? And then there's others of us that just need to kind of get back to center. Would you just renew a steadfast spirit within me or somewhere in between? Do you see where we're at? And just, man, get before God and be honest and let him speak to you and lead you, but do this prayerfully because it will set the attitude of your heart. And then finally, as we close, I think a third way to set the attitude of your heart is to be around God's people. Not just people, God's people. I mean, people are great. I love people. If, if you don't know that about me, there's like less than five people in this world that I don't like, so it's possible 
but there's not a lot of them. Some of you guys are like, it's just true, I'm sorry, I'm a human being too. But I just, man, I like people. I'm just like a people person. I think they're all great. From every background, every color, every age, I'm just intrigued by you. Tell me your story. Where do you come from? Why do you like that? Like, how, how on earth could you be a Bills fan? Explain. You know, that stuff. I love you, Bridget. Okay. Um, and D and all the other Bills Mafia people, whatever. <laughs> I love people. But, man, there's something about being in, in the company of God's people. It does matter. Remember last week, we talked about the action of the heart, and we read from Hebrews 4, where he's like, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves. And then he says this, as some people are in the habit of doing, like, cut that out. And there's a challenge that, like, you need God's people. And it's not just that you need people, it's that you need God's people. You need the kind of people that are trying to take you where you're trying to go. Because the truth of the matter is that some of us, if we would change who we run with, we would see the freedom we're hoping for. We, we, the Bible says in Proverbs, walk with the wise and become wise. But the companion of fools suffers harm. And listen, warning everybody, following Jesus will cost you everything. I'm just telling you right now, everything. It won't cost you things. It won't cost you everyone. It just, he's just, he gave everything for you and he's asking for everything in return, just everything. And so there might be seasons in your life where you feel lonely because you're trying to vacate from the fools. Well, well, Pastor Josh, how do I know if they're a fool? Well, the Bible says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So let me ask you this. When the people that you're around, do they live like there is no God? Oh, okay. Maybe that's not your people. But who are people that have a heart for the Lord? And I'm not talking about perfect people, they don't exist. But, but they have the attitude of the heart for God. And the action of the heart is on display. That Like I'm doing my best, man. I'm doing my best to get my action and my attitude aligned. And I'm doing my best to just do this thing right before the Lord. Those are the kinds of people that I wanna surround myself with. And so perhaps this coming week, for some of you, here's the challenge. Choose new company. Don't go to the poker game, come to prayer. All right? Don't go to the club, just come to prayer. I mean, the club's gonna start way later anyway, so you could probably do both, but by the time you leave prayer, you're not gonna want to. All right. Welcome to Church on the Rock, we're real. We're just real, we're real people. You following me? Get around God's people. Stop, stop fighting back and making excuses about why you're not connected to a life group. We don't do groups because we need more stuff to do. We do groups because we need to be around God's people. Real ones that are honest, transparent, that'll pray, that'll lift you up, that'll challenge you, etc. all those things. Maybe you just need to get on a team and just make a difference. Why? It's, being on a team is a lot like being in a life group because you're gonna unite on a regular basis with God's people around a common theme. It's very similar, very similar. And maybe just doing something for others gets you away from yourself and out of yourself. And maybe... Maybe getting around God's people is gonna send you through a season of loneliness because it's like, well, I know those people, but I know I shouldn't walk with those people because they're fools. And I know that I need to find new people, but I don't know them yet. And I'm just telling you, like, that's why the church exists. Like, hello, that's why we are here. And I think the best, this is my favorite part about our church. I gotta quit. <laughs> my favorite part about our church is that you, you're just real. And I dig that, man, about you, okay? You're just real. 
All of us walk in here understanding that we don't have it all together, but we're trying. And so when we get around other people that don't have, have it all together, but they're trying to like, oh, cool, join the club, welcome to Church on the Rock, this is us. It is. I think that's beautiful because it'll always keep self-righteousness out the back door and it'll always keep us perpetually leaning toward the heart of God. And then perhaps our attitude and action just align and then they just converge in the middle. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, so he's talking about those in the family of faith. If another believer is overcome by some sin, that happens, or we wouldn't be taught in scripture about what to do about it. You who are godly, and I love these words, should gently and humbly, what are we called by God to do? Help that person back onto the right path. Gently, humbly, help that person. Stop being self-righteous and shooting the wounded. All right, be humble and grab a first aid kit and run to support. They are bleeding and they need us. That's us, that's our job. Be careful, I just love it, man. The Bible's so good. Just be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and this way you obey the law of Christ. Listen to me, everybody. In our church, we want right action. We do. That stuff is super important. But it's so important that we also have right attitude. So important. It matters so much. So today, as we prepare to respond to the gospel. It's going to be a time of reflection. I'm gonna read a verse from Psalms that we're gonna use as our focus for reflection. Before we do that though, however, would you just stand? I'm gonna land this plane right now, we're about done. I'm gonna ask you though, don't leave. Because I know as soon as I say amen and I walk right over there, I know that a third of you are gonna be like, church is over, listen. I'm gonna say, don't do that today. What if you just stayed, worshiped with us, reflected about the attitude of your heart and just let the spirit of the living God move you toward an action today. That would be my hope. But with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, nobody looking around, I wanna, I wanna make an, an invitation, give an offer, and here's the offer. Maybe you've never stepped into a personal relationship with Jesus. And at our church, we just give people the opportunity to do that every single Sunday. That's just what we do. So maybe that's you. Maybe you've just been really, really far from God and you just need to reconnect with him. All right, cool, this is your moment too. So we have a prayer that we pray. There's nothing unique or special about the prayer. What matters is the attitude of the heart. But our whole church is gonna repeat this prayer after me because we wanna support you in your moment with the Lord. And here's our prayer. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. All of it. Come into my heart. Forgive me my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen.